for the next episode of Splitting Cases. Usually, Pointy and I talk about things in the realm of music and movies, but today we're traversing a topic that neither of us know much about, though we do use this general thing every day in our working life. We have a very, very, very talented woman named Sophie Brown. I don't think she knows she's as talented as she is, but she creates fonts and graphic design and some fantastic artworks and different things that I could not imagine doing. So I'm kind of I'm kind of confused as to how we're going to talk about this topic because I know nothing about it. How about you, Pointy? Oh, well, I think we'll leave it up to Sophie to to lead us because I think you're right. We're we're definitely not the experts here. We are splitting maybe not a case because it is a Wednesday night, but we certainly have a few ciders under our belt. So Sophie, can you kind of just broadly introduce what you do. So I think you kind of covered most of it there. I guess I started working in radio, which is where you and I know each other from, but I have a degree in visual communication. So I'm also a graphic designer and I'm kind of just now starting to branch off into typography and type design. And so our overall topic today is... Typography is what we're talking about tonight. Okay. Yeah. And because we usually litter our podcasts full of awkward game bossa nova tunes of whatever we're talking about, we can't really do that with something that's so visual. So I do have a guessing game of songs related to words and letters and things later. So I, I don't know when we'll spring that on you, but at some point we will. So, okay, you started in radio, which is obviously where I met you, but where did this whole interest in visual communication and words begin? I guess visual communication kind of started when I was a little kid. Like, I've always been into, you know, art and design and, you know, making shit with my hands. Both my parents are teachers. My mum's an art teacher and my dad's an industrial design teacher. So That really makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you know making stuff was a big part of You're growing up dispositioned for yeah, it. yeah yeah you know it wasn't really a conscious decision I just kind of gravitated towards it when I was I don't know probably like seven or eight years old me and my best friend at the time uh started our own greeting card company called kiss cards <laughs> nice. I don't actually remember where the name came from I think it because stupid, her name simple stupid no, no, that was like an extra layer to the meaning. Yeah, I think okay. it was something to do with her first name was Kirby and it was like K-I. Yes. And then I don't know S- where Sophie. the second S came from. So if but anyway, Sophie, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that S is a typo. And pretty much since, I don't know, yeah, seven or eight years old, I've been like, I guess, a bit of an entrepreneur. Yeah, so I started making all these greeting cards and... I still have cupboards at my parents' house full of, like, rubber stamps and all sorts of different paper and cutouts and stuff. This is like the kid who becomes the doctor who was just generally interested in helping people and medical things and the kid who becomes the vet who saved the injured animals. Like, this tends to make a lot of sense. Whereas I was kind of the kid trying to, like wipe his nose and shove the round peg into the square hole and somewhere along the teenage (laughs) years, like, I... I fell down the music hill off the audio engineering cliff and into radio somehow. You had a greeting card company at the age of eight. Who were you sending greeting cards to? I wasn't sending them. I was selling them. What? Yeah. You're actually selling them? Yeah. I made like, I made multiple dollars off that business. More than one dollar? More than one. I had serious (laughs) pocket money going on there. (laughs) 
No, my my mum's actually always been like massive supporter of, you know, any kind of creative endeavour that me or my brothers wanted to do. And so when I kind of got into this greeting card thing, you know, she'd take them to school or to, you know, if she was ever hanging out with any of her friends, she'd take a stack of them. And I guess they just kind of went, oh, that's cute. A little eight-year-old made a bunch of cards. Let's buy some. (laughs) I don't know if it was out of pity or if they genuinely liked them. Um, But yeah, I actually ended up managing to save a bit of pocket money from that little endeavor. Oh, shit. Kind of cool. That's, yeah. that's better than a lemonade stand. Jeez, you were making yeah. money farts and crafts and I was growing <laughs> up into a Santa hat at that age. Jeez. I think I had a little market stall at one point and, yeah, me and my friend, you know, set up and... Oh, that is awesome. But, yeah. But, but that's reinforcement, I think, at that age. Like, knowing that someone, an adult has bought something is like, okay, well, this is a thing that I'm doing. This is worth doing again. Whereas if you didn't get that recognition, maybe you would still be interested, but maybe you wouldn't have wanted to keep doing it as much yeah i don't know i mean the money was a nice little bonus to that but yeah doing it was fun yeah i guess i don't mean it's the money so much it's more the recognition that someone was like that's something that i want and i'm interested in yeah i guess so and i guess that's kind of what design is really i mean you're never really doing it for yourself there's you get a lot of enjoyment out of it but it's you know that you know helping other people and giving Mm. someone else something to communicate with that's kind of cool what's sophie bell designs i got a little older after doing the kiss card business and Mm. i kind of outgrew the greeting card thing and went because you know you sell a card you make two or three dollars and i was like moving on to bigger and better things (laughs) it was all a front you obviously advance (laughs) Um, I think it was probably when I started high school that I decided to start making jewellery. So yeah, that was the name I gave my little jewellery empire, was uh, Sophie Bell Designs. It was a nickname that one of my mum's pottery friends used to call me and I kind of liked it, so I just stuck with it. But yeah, then it was the same sort of thing, like I'd just be making it at home Mm. and... Mum thought it was cool and she'd take it to school or take it to her friends and then word of mouth and, again, more pocket money. But in terms of actually getting into graphic design, it was a bit of a leap from there because it was all sort of very hands-on, more craft, I guess, what I was doing when I was a kid. So when I finished high school, it took a gap year and still didn't know at the end of it what the hell I wanted to do. I actually enrolled in um, natural history illustration, which at the time sounded really cool to me because it was half science and half art. Just because I'm not quite sure what naturally natural history illustration would be illustrating pointy, what's natural history illustration? Would you know? That just sounds like a bunch of words to me. <laughs> but I'm like, I feel like I feel like we're drawing pictures of trees and dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are cool. Is it trees and dinosaurs? It's not far off that actually. So a lot of like you know National Geographic and those types of magazines will employ someone specifically to do illustrations like that. Hmm. Or if someone's going on you know an archaeological dig somewhere, sometimes a photo just doesn't cut it so yeah. they'll take a natural history illustrator also yeah. a lot of them go into um like kids book illustration ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's basically just drawing animals and plants but I was kind with of, a more scientific kind of background i was kind of on the right track with like dinosaurs and yeah trees. Okay, yeah pretty okay, much good not far off good so i enrolled in this degree but accidentally took all graphic design courses <laughs> i didn't realize until about a semester in when my friend pointed out my friend who was doing graphic design, we'd been in all the same classes. And he's like, you're doing an awful lot of graphic design subjects for someone enrolled in a completely different degree. 
and I went back and like looked at the system of the subjects I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, because there's like a certain amount of compulsory yeah. subject you have to do and then electives. And... I had done none of them. Oh. I just said, oh shit, what have I done? Wasted an entire semester. But all of the classes that I'd done, like, I loved. And they were all graphic design courses. And I kind of just went, well, I'm enjoying this, so maybe I should just stick to graphic design. And so you went from, <clears throat> you went from not intending to draw plants and animals to drawing plants and animals to graphic design but what is your special like I mean everybody like has a speciality in something what is your speciality of drawing if somebody handed you a pencil and paper right now would it be trees and dinosaurs no I can kind of draw this thing that is is a cow but you can only really tell it's a cow because or it's a bull because it's got like the horn things that bull. Yeah. so I guess it's a bull um, but it could be a dog or it could be a pig. It could be a dog with horns. It could be any kind of thing depending on what ears you have. But if someone gave you a pencil and paper. I'd probably draw type, to be okay. honest, these days. Yeah. All right. I do have a question because me and Pointy were discussing before you came that there were so many words on your list of things we didn't even recognize. <laughs> I will ask you who he is and why you mentioned Jonathan Barnbrook and what's an imagery font? <laughs> okay. Uh, imagery? Imagery? Amigre. Amigre. Yeah, yeah, you're close. Exactly all of the syllables I didn't use. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> You can tell I like words. <laughs> yeah, you put the emphasis on the wrong syllables there a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Jonathan Barnbrook is an... Uh, he's a British graphic designer that I discovered in my second year of uni when I was fully committed to doing graphic design by that point. Having said initially that, like, I loved doing all of the graphic design courses when I thought I was doing natural history illustration, mm. it kind of eventually got to the point where I was starting to think, uh, you know, maybe graphic design's not the most useful thing that I could be doing. You know, maybe I should be doing something that's going to help more people or, you know, be slightly more useful that's or very... substantial or something. Yeah. And so when I got to my second year of uni, I was kind of like, uh, maybe I should switch to comms because I was already working in radio oh, by this everyone's point. everyone's in comms. <laughs> well, I mean, I technically was. It was just vis- yeah. visual comms. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of a bit unsure about whether I should stick with graphic design, mm. whether it was for me. You know, there were other people that were obviously way more talented than I was. There's always someone cooler than you. Exactly. Exactly. Ben Folds knew what he was talking about. Yeah. Then my typography teacher made me do this assignment on this guy called Jonathan Barnbrook, who I'd never heard of at the time. I also have never heard of him. Yeah, you should look him up because he's a seriously interesting guy. I'm thinking of like a barn and a small river. No. 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 It's it's actually a guy. Yeah, it's a man. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. (laughs) Barnbrook. Or like Brooke Satchwell. Sorry, continue. (laughs) That's a thing, though. Brooke Satchwell is a thing. (laughs) Yes, sorry. That's okay. Um, he He's a graphic designer based in um, Britain, obviously. And like I said, I had to do this assignment on him and give a presentation to the whole year kind of thing, which was oh. super daunting, and I hate doing those kind of oh, assignments. Oh, yeah, public speaking is the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah. I discovered Jonathan Barnbrook is this amazingly talented, but also he's a massive activist as well which kind of really hooked me into the work that he does. So he's a really talented graphic designer for starters, but he makes a really conscious effort to make sure that all of the work that he does is for the good of humankind, Mm. not to sound, you know, quite so pious or whatever, but 
he's always working towards something positive. He's not just, you know, trying to trying to flog someone a product that they don't want or don't need. He's always, you know, does work for hospitals and charities mm. and that kind of thing, but also just does really interesting typography work. And a few of his typefaces, like the, the assignment that I had to do was looking up his fonts and why they were so controversial. And it doesn't sound like you could make typography a really controversial thing because it's just the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah, But if you have a look at his work, it is quite provocative and quite challenging. Some of the work that he does, he's made a stack of different typefaces. Just imagining like teasers, like crucifixes upside down. (laughs) He actually does have a font like that. Hey, there you go. It's called infidel (laughs) and it's made up of all these different religious symbols. That is awesome. Yeah. Super interesting. And he just, he like gives them really kind of provocative names as well. Mm. Like he's got one called bastard and he's got one called coma and he's got one called Tourette and Okay, he's got another font called Double yeah. Think, which is based off George Orwell's 1984 oh, book. Oh, cool. So um, it's also like drawing on communist influences and that kind yeah. of thing. He's got one called Drone, which is, again, a, like a religious thing based off symbols that you'd see in a Catholic church in the Philippines. Yeah. And He did another one called Prozac, which... I think it was Prozac, where he made, he used, he created six different characters and then either flipped them or reversed them or spun them around to create the entire alphabet. So, yeah, he just does really interesting things like that and, you know, puts on these self-exhibitions. You know, it's not, again, not trying to sell you something. It's just, it's more art than design, I guess, when you look at it like that. But I imagine being a font, it's sort of usable art. Like, you can use that... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Explain, kind of explain, just generally stripping it right back, how you can create a font. Because obviously people would see a font as like Arial. It's like you you have a certain set of letters and you have uppercase and lowercase and that's mostly what people on a day-to-day basis use it for. But what do you mean by kind of creating a font? It can be so many different things, but in a really like fundamental basic kind of sense it's Mm. just you're creating a set of characters which have shared dna because obviously they have to look unified otherwise yeah look like all over the place yeah and just programming it to work Mm. like that's kind of the hardest part programming it to work you can draw the characters and you know have a beautiful set of illustrations in a program like adobe illustrator or something but getting it to function that takes a whole separate set of skills to actually get the font working. And then you've got to take into account things like spacing and rhythm because it's not just the characters, it's how far apart... individually might look good, but then you've got to put it together with... How it works in a word. The rest of a word. Yeah, like, and for example, um, if you've got the letter V next to a letter A, the spacing, like, the V overhangs a lot more than the A would, so there'd be, like, a lot more space in between. If you picture, like, a capital V next to a capital A... Yeah. If you were creating a typeface, you would have to... It's called kerning, where you adjust the individual spacing of individual characters, and you would kern those two together. But then you have, you know, hundreds of multiples of sets of pairs that you have to adjust manually in order for the font to look like it's spaced properly and has, you know, uniformity and 
rhythm and yeah. You know how when you like watch a doco or read an article or something, so just hear about how the brain creates new pathways and like the electronic little currents that run. I feel like that's what my brain is doing now. I'm learning so many <laughs> new words and actually thinking about things that I take for granted on a daily basis. Well, a lot of fonts, like bad fonts, wouldn't have proper kerning, but, you know, a well-designed font, there's mm. so much attention to detail that goes into it. And, you know, your everyday user would never notice that kind of thing. But, you know, if someone's a graphic designer, that's like a really important thing to have a handle on to be able to make that work. Yeah. I guess that's kind of like the biggest compliment, but perhaps also the biggest insult about great design is that it's transparent to the people that are using it. Because yeah. like, cause if something's horrible, everyone will notice. Yeah. But if something's great, then hopefully it's you know good enough for people to just go about using it and they won't consciously go, oh, that's great or that's good. It's just... It, what it, it just is. works. It just, it just yeah. is. Yeah. And that's kind of what you want with any design is that it's functional and that people like to use it. Yeah, and a lot of people say that, you know, that good type, you don't notice good type, it just works perfectly. Mm. If it was bad type, you'd be like, oh, that looks pretty shit. That, yeah. You know, I'd have done that differently, but, you know, if it's done well, you just kind of... Go about it. It's just yeah. part of what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. You created your own font, which i got to admit, before you did... I didn't know that's really something you could do and that people did. Okay. How did that happen? <laughs> I actually created my first font when I was at uni. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So this was not your first font. It was the first font that I did on my own and it was my, my first proper commercial type family kind of thing. The one that okay. I did at uni, I did as a personal project with two friends of mine. Mm. So it was like a collaborative effort. And we decided we had these grand visions of creating this amazing typeface that would have a sans serif version and a serif version and it was going to work on print and web and it was going to work, you know, as a text font and as a headline font. And it just ended up being none of those things. Like, we had no idea what we were doing. That sounds like uni. Should, should we uh, explain what the difference between a sans serif and a serif font is? Sure. Isn't it to do with, like, I could be wrong... But I'll try. <laughs> is it to do with the spacing between the letters and the sh how it fits together somehow? I know that sounds kind of vague, but that's hey, this is about good though. We're I learning. Recollect. <laughs> uh, I remember learning about it at some point. But... Not quite. Uh, a serif font basically has like little capped ends. This is hard to oh, describe right. because it's like, so visual, but feet. Yeah, it's got little feet. Yeah. And uh, sans serif font, this is going to be no help to the listeners at home, but the T-shirt that you're wearing at the moment... We'll put a picture on our Facebook page. That's a serif, uh, sans serif font. So it just has clean lines, but the font that I have printed this out on, again, very visual and not particularly helpful oh, for we'll people who are listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has serifs on the end of the characters. And serif fonts were around before sans serif were like sans serif is quite a modern evolution of, of type yeah but yeah serifs originally were thought to make it more legible mm. i guess because it sort of leads your eye a bit more why does everybody hate comic sans yeah comic sans get gets a pretty bad rap it gets an awful rap right it's because it's everywhere and that's okay. really that's really it so it's like an overuse thing like people decided that that looks exciting and bold and that everyone would recognize that so we'll use that font it's really distinctive and you can you can it from a mile away mm. um i can't remember the, the guy's name but originally it was designed as a as a computer font for children mm. and like that was its purpose it wasn't designed to be used on wedding invitations or on butcher yeah. stores or yeah. any of the weird places that it turns up but it made its ways on way onto windows yeah mm. yeah um and 
I guess that's part of the problem is that why it's so popular is because it's a default font in your system. Like mm. everyone has it, so probably more people use it than they should. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. that's the feeling I get, though, that within that circle that it is a general, genuinely hated font because it is just so overused. I feel sorry for it. You because feel sorry it has, for it. There are, like, forums on the internet of people just hating on Comic Sans. <laughs> and I mean, like... It's used in places it shouldn't be used, and that's not the fault of the font. That's the users, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, actually, like I did have a similar thought to you that maybe I should bring that up, but then I realised, hang on, we're talking to an expert here, and, um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that maybe that's a bit cliche to hate on Comic Sans. Oh well, I wasn't hating on it. I'm kind of the novice who I, I fucking generally like everything except for the one or two things that I'll campaign against. But I'm updating all the font on all of our pages to Comic oh, Sans now. God, you are. Oh well, I was just going to say that I was listening to um download the show yeah, um, yeah, yeah. earlier on, and apparently there's a new take on Comic Sans. What do you mean? Uh, oh, in the works. Comic New. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, some guy has redesigned Comic Sans to make it a bit more modern and a bit trendier. And in what way? Like, how can you... Well, if you look at the characters of Comic Sans, they're all, like, a bit wonky. Yeah. And, you oh, know, definitely. it's supposed to look like, you know, a five-year-old da, 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 kind da, da, of thing. Da, da. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit... Yeah. So he's, you know, straightened up all of the wonky lines. He's smoothed out all of the bumpy edges. And, I mean, it looks all right. A little less obnoxious, but still a similar yeah. look. Yeah. yeah. Basically, he's told it to have a bit of a sleep, have a couple of cups of coffee... <laughs> And uh, straighten up. <laughs> yeah, just straighten up, mate. You've, you've had enough. Yeah, saddle down. But, I mean, you could say the same thing about Helvetica. Helvetica, mm. like, designers friggin' love Helvetica. Why? They use it on everything. Because it's a Swiss design and, you know, it's clean lines and mm. very angular and trendy looking. But it's the same sort of thing. Like, you see it everywhere and it becomes too much like it becomes not very good anymore because it's just overused what is the one thing that makes like generally a font popular what are people looking at when they're looking at a font and going i like this is there a general universal thing that people gravitate towards i find it really hard to predict trends Mm. in that kind of thing I guess, well, if we go back to Comic Sans, I guess uh, access to it, for Mm. one, because it's everywhere. That's true. Same with Helvetica. It's a lot of people have it. So it just turns up everywhere and becomes really popular. It's availability Um, and people's ease of use of Photoshop. Yeah. 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 I don't know. There are font trends come and go and I don't Mm. know. I can't pick them. Okay. Surely there's like to a certain extent, just needs to be readable and easy to the eye because yeah. surely something's not going to become popular that's hard to read. But still unique enough to stand out. Yeah, you know, I, I guess my yeah. point is that, you know, you might have something that might look beautiful, but if it's not readable, then yeah. surely it's not going to be that popular. Yeah. I do feel, though, that of this podcast, I'd be the Comic Sans and you'd be the Comic New Pointy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what you're trying to say there. But... I think it's a compliment. Yeah, 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 like I feel that's possibly a good thing. But... <laughs> All right, so anyway, back to what we were originally talking about years ago, uh, that you do have your own font apart from this one that you made at uni that is now commercially available and is a thing. I know that sounds so vague, but, you know... When... I love how it's a thing is something on this podcast. Like, that's that's terminology <laughs> that people need to get used to. But it's something that's, say, for, for example, I did a lot of stuff at uni that... Like, for better or worse, it's not really a thing. It's something I did at uni, and you could use it or you could not, but you actually have created your own font, and it's now commercially available for people outside of your control to use and take control of themselves. So tell us about that. 
It started when I enrolled in a New York School of Visual Arts Master's Abroad program in Rome last year. It was run by the New York School of Visual Arts, which is, you know, one of the most prominent, prestigious art schools in America and the world kind of thing. Yeah. And they, they run these short courses abroad from New York. So they have, you know, painting in the south of France and, mm. you know, food design in Milan or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but food design. Yeah, that's a, that's a... Hold on, sorry. That's I a thing. I don't, that, that is a, <laughs> apparently that's a thing. Like, like you were designing meals and different foods or are you like, you're like kind of... It's like aesthetically designing foods. Yeah, for photography. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so you do this porn, basically. This yeah, apple with this pear and it kind of works together. More, Not that I'm suggesting apples work with pears. I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> it would be more for you know like upmarket restaurants who are building a website okay. and want photos yeah. of their dishes or that kind of thing yeah. or an ad or you know. Okay. That sort of thing. Sorry, but anyway, they, they run a Masters of Typography course in Rome because Rome is basically where the alphabet as we know it today was born. And so it's quite a historical exploration of where language comes from mm. and how we see it and how it evolved over time. And yeah, so I enrolled in this course, went to Rome last year, and part of the course is developing a personal project typographically based obviously because it's a typography course uh, in response to the city Mm. and so I made this typeface. How did you find out about it and get involved? Was that something you wanted to do or was that something that was thrown into your lap? I had been wanting to do it for years actually. Um, One of the lecturers or teachers of the course is a woman called Louise Philly who is kind of one of my design heroes. She's this incredible Italian born but American living um, Mm. graphic designer. She worked, when she first started out, she was working for Herb Lublin, who's this another enormous name in graphic design. Sorry, just because I love the sound of some names. What was his name? (laughs) Herb Lublin. Herb Lublin. Yeah. Oh, wow. It sounds good, doesn't it? I'm going to be calling different things Lublins for a while, (laughs) believe me. So she worked for this guy who, if you look him up, is also, you know, one of the you know, godfathers of graphic design. Mm. She had her own, I think she worked for Pantheon Books for a while and Mm. made like over 2,000 book jackets before she started up her own design studio in Manhattan, I think. And, yeah, just pretty much now does food packaging and, you know, restaurant identity kind of stuff. So she works a lot with restaurateurs and people in the hospitality business doing kind of these amazing just... I just love her work and mm. yeah, I kind of follow her blog and that kind of thing. And she mentioned a couple of years ago that she was doing this course. And at the time I was working in Sydney and like couldn't really afford it, but I just kind of sit there daydreaming about, you know, one day I'm going to do this course. I'm going to mm. get there. I'm going to do it. Yeah, a pointy and, and I do occasionally go, we're going to go to Coachella one day. It will happen. <laughs> it will happen. It will happen one day. You'll get there. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, finally last year I got around to doing it and I just kind of went, you know, I'm just going to make work work around this trip because oh. it's something that I really want to do and it was the most amazing experience and I wish I could go back. But To yeah. Rome or to doing a course like that? Both. Yeah, it was it was just amazing. Like being in a city like that, if you've never been, which I hadn't. I you know, also have not. It's just... It's so different. Like, everything has this history behind it and, you know, 
everything is just beautifully crafted and they have such aesthetic attention to detail and it's just beautiful. It's just like a really romantic, visually beautiful place. And being there with someone like Louise Philly and a couple of other really prominent graphic design industry leaders who were taking us around to like all their favorite spots and, you know, telling us the history of this thing and how this relates to this piece of typography. Mm. It was just really fascinating to be there. How long were you there for? It was only two weeks, Mm. but I was there for um, another week after that and, you know, sort of traveling around and, but yeah, the course itself was only two weeks, which is not very long at all. But that's really amazing that something that, you know, was such a short period of time could have such an impression and such an impact. Yeah, well, you're kind of thrown into the deep end, really. Part of the course, they've got um, an archaeologist who takes you around to, like, Trajan's Column Mm. and the Forum, and he took us out to Ostia Antica and took us to places that, you know, if you were just there on your own, you wouldn't normally be allowed to go. Yeah, it's like a super unique unique way to view a city. Yeah. I was just imagining Sam Neill was taking you around. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not Jurassic Park. (laughs) Sorry, continue. Um, So, yeah, we had an archaeologist, we had a typographer from Milan, we had a guy from Rome who Mm. works in typography and all these other, like, studio people who would just, you know, we'd have different days doing different things and excursions to different places and it was just really immersive. Pointy, she talks about this stuff like we talk about Tim Rogers. (laughs) Indeed. So you were enrolled in this course of a lifetime and you met your heroes and then, like, part of that course was creating this project which turned out to be a your font which i think i'm pronouncing right is strato yes strato yes i think i was the only one who actually made a typeface so what Um, did everyone else put together well some people would make like typographic postcards or little books or apps or there were like a bunch of different things yeah and i was quite surprised actually that i was the only one who made a typeface given that it was a typographic course yeah i decided that's what i wanted to do i had by that stage already been working with the Australian Type Foundry, just kind of interning once a week here in Newcastle. What's the Australian Type Foundry? It's that. It's the Australian Type Foundry. It's it's a little studio in Merriweather run by a guy called Wayne Thompson, who's a pretty good friend of mine. And he makes fonts commercially. So he'll get um, commissioned by... I don't know. He made the Triple J font. He did the NRMA font. He's done a bunch of, like... I helped him work on a Holden font recently. I think he did the font for the well, the games that were in Queensland or that are coming up in Queensland. Olympic, Commonwealth? Maybe. Racing. Maybe maybe Commonwealth. I can't remember. It was some games, yeah. some very large sporting events. Hunger. Hunger yeah. Games, yeah. possibly that. Of Thrones some or something. If they were going to yeah. do the Hunger Games anywhere, I'd say it was in Queensland. <laughs> Um, So I'd been working with Wayne and helping him work on, you know, font work and that kind of thing. And so I really wanted to have my own project and my own font to be working on. So that's what I decided I was going to do in Rome. I think by the end of the two weeks, I had I had it in vector form. A to Z, upper and lowercase. But that's about as far as I got. And I had the idea of the different layers that I wanted to to create to go with this font but I, I had about a year's worth of work left to do after those two weeks you mentioned 
layers and you mentioned a significant amount of work ahead of you what goes into making a font like in terms of how many layers do you have to make and what what's the differentiation between them and how do you make something like that usable the process for me at least was starting with pencil sketches on paper so i'd kind of work out the general look of the thing that i wanted to do and strato was based off a lot of the classical roman inscriptions that you see all over rome Hmm. so there's just they're just everywhere and they're really beautiful and it's like the culmination of years and years of you know, refining to get to that, you know, those particular proportions and that kind of thing. So I based it off that, but I decided to do a sans serif version rather than a serif version, which is what most of those classical inscriptions were, just to kind of modernise it a bit. But yeah, so my process is basically starting with pencil sketches on paper, working out the basic DNA for what I wanted to do, and there's a bit of a process that I would say most font designers do, and that's you start with the letter O and the letter H. Once you've got the letter O and the letter H worked out, it almost sort of starts to fall into place after that. So you know what the shape of your curved letters will look like. You know, when you have a straight edge that it's going to be like this or this thickness or, you know, there's a lot of DNA within just those couple of letters. Yeah. And then you kind of move on to other letters, which are a bit more obscure, like the letter S, which doesn't really fit into those things. <laughs> or a letter with a diagonal, like an M or a V or something like that. So you, you kind of start with a couple of letters. And from that, you can kind of build the rest of the character set. Were you ever one to draw that that? S that everyone yes. drew in primary school yes. with like the third, well, everyone did that. with like the six everyone strokes and the the yeah. diagonal in between. So I, I was almost imagining that you would kind of be like, ugh, nah, nah, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I totally did that. Yeah. I also um, tell me you did it on your pencil case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like I also used to like put way too much effort into my title pages for like of primary course. school subjects. Yeah, because that's what gets you marks. <laughs> Every time we started a new unit, I'd be helps. like, yeah, new title page. <laughs> if we're a group project, I'm sure that would be helpful. I'll do the title page, you guys do the rest. Yeah, yeah, you do all the hard work. I'll yeah. just make it look pretty. Go for it. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, what were we talking about? Huh? Oh, no, making, making. Sorry, no, that's yeah, right, yeah. making fun. So once I have the pencil sketches kind of roughly nutted out, then I move them into Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator, and vector them all. So I've got like clean, crisp outlines that I can work with. Kind of from there, it's a bit of you can either move it into a font developing program. I use FontLab Studio, um, which is where you actually take the drawings and make them function as a font. So, you know, connecting it, the letter S when you hit, is going to make your S kind of thing rather than yeah. like just an outline of S in Illustrator. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of imagining that as like the letter, as a line to the letter on the keyboard. So you kind of like, <laughs> you press the S and the S happens and then the A. And then, yeah, no, yeah, no? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Okay. Um, but then, of course, I decided to make my project super complicated by making six different styles rather than just the one sans serif. Why would you make six different styles of the same font? The idea of a layered typeface was something that I'd, I'd kind of been wanting to do for a little while. I'd seen a few of them around, but when I first started the project, it was sort of a new territory kind of thing for font design. Now there's a ton of them around and it's a bit of a trend and, you know, they're kind of all over the place. But when I first started, I was like, yeah, this seems really cool. I want to have a crack at this. 
But also when we did the course, they asked us, you know, it has to be in response to your experience of Rome. And my experience of Rome was everything is so incredibly multifaceted. Like one time we'd visit this museum that started off, I can't remember what it was called, but it started off in this like really modern building and you'd walk through and the displays would kind of change and go back further and further and then the back end of the building is this ancient crypt covered with skeletons and like that sounds awesome yeah it was kind of creepy but it was that general thing of you know there being so many different layers to the city like there'll be a ruin of something you know incredibly valuable next to this brand new modern looking building Mm. it was especially obvious when we when our resident archaeologist took us out to Ostia Antigua. Sam Hill. Hill. Let's call him by his name. Sure. sure. How how alike was this experience to Jurassic Park? Uh, Not at all. Was Newman involved? What? what, No, what did Sam Neill spruik? Was it beef or lamb or pork? It was lamb. It was lamb, yeah? Like, yeah. It was lamb, wasn't it? Yeah, one of those ads that Sam Neill was spruiking. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What was, there was a byline, wasn't there? Oh, something something about about eat meat. I can't remember. But that was definitely, yeah. 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 Sorry. Or was it pork? Maybe. No, pork it, was on your, it was definitely it was lamb. Definitely but there lamb. was someone that was spruiking pork, right? I mean, there's More an advocate for pork. There's an advocate for every meat, but which one was Sam Neill? Sorry, continue. He was definitely, it was lamb. definitely lamb. Yeah, lamb. Though. Where were we? <laughs> Ostia Antica. Um, that seems to be a consistent theme. Of where were we? Where were we? Where were we? Um, Rome. Yeah, so we went out to Ostia Antica, and the the idea of the city being this really layered experience was like really obvious for me at least when we visited this ancient ruins because like it used to be the center of the universe kind of thing like it was it was basically where everything happened in the world and you could see through the ruins like different ages of civilization that had lived there like you know in the different kind of tiles and Mm. brickwork and like there were physically different layers to the architecture that you could see there but I guess another thing that I sort of related it back to was the food and again this is gonna sound kind of wanky but oh stop stop (laughs) putting that in front of it all of the food in italy either has like tomatoes mozzarella or some kind of i don't know basil or something like there are a couple of ingredients that are pretty much in everything in all of the different foods that are really that you know italy and rome are really well known for and i kind of liked the idea of you know you could take these ingredients and make a pizza or a pasta or a salad or any of these different things, even though you were using the same basic ingredients. And that was kind of, I guess, a metaphor for how I saw Strato working was that you had all these different ingredients in the different layers, but you could combine them in different ways to get a different end effect. Well, it's like a lot of things. It's like, okay, there's only so many combinations of this thing that can be done that we can put our own spin on it and have something new. Yeah, and that was yeah. that was the general idea is that, you know, I wanted to be able I wanted people to be able to create, you know, a bunch of different looks with, you know, just a handful of styles. Mm. There was another project um, that I was quite invested in because while <laughs> I while I did not until now and until then know a lot about font design, I I quite enjoy a quirky quirky image when I see one and you 
did design a project, I don't know whether it was for any particular reason or for your own benefit, called the Amber Clan. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was that was just a personal project that I just decided to do for no real reason other than I thought it would be pretty silly and pretty fun. So it's called the Amper Clan, and basically it is a buttload of really tacky puns plastered on top of the form of the ampersand. So, oh man, you talk tacky puns, you're talking to the right person here. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves a good pun, and surprisingly, it's been shared around a fair bit considering that it started off, you know, kind of just for shits and giggles. I'm just flicking through, if you want to check out the Amper Clan, there is Gingerbread Man Persand, Baby Grand Persand, Jackie Chan Persand, Amper Can Can, Amper Santa, like Amper Spam, like it's... Amper Spam was one of Nothing Cutesies, wasn't it? (laughs) She gave me that idea. Did you take suggestions via Twitter? Yeah, well, people started getting really into it. Like, I put a couple of them up on my website, and I guess I'm not the only one who likes tacky puns, and people would be like, oh, you have to do this, and... Maybe this would make a really funny one. And oh, man. I mean Green some of them and <laughs> Some of them were not such crash hot suggestions, but I mean it was pretty fun that people just got really involved in it and would text me or email me or tweet at me and say like with different suggestions for different designs. It was pretty fun. I actually had a lot of comments from people saying, oh, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Ah! Like, you know, so I actually can't believe someone else didn't think of it first. It's not that complex an idea. It's just, you know, kind of silly and a bit fun. But that's kind of like the same thing as like someone going, oh, my kid could have done that artwork. That's just a lot of splotches <laughs> on a canvas. Like I could have done that. Well, why didn't you? If you didn't do it, you didn't do it. Yeah, someone else did. That's just <laughs> the yeah. way it works. Someone else did that thing. It's kind of a project that's probably going to be going on and on I don't know, I don't really see an end date for it. I've still got a stack of notes in my phone of potential future Amper Clan. I'll have to get my phone out. Hang on. Get your phone out. Do. One that I really wanted to do, but that I think is probably, like, super obscure and not many people will get it, is Bicycle Repairman Persand. (laughs) Have you seen that Monty Python sketch? I have. I have indeed. And nothing cutesy would like that if you did that. (laughs) But, I mean, like, a lot of the ones that I come up with just would not work in the form of an ampersand so a lot of them just never end up getting made i'm already quite impressed that in the shape of an ampersand you have managed to squeeze so many things in that was kind of the appeal of the project is that it's not like it's the letter o where it's a circle and you're restricted to a circle and that's all it's ever gonna be the ampersand actually has you know a variety of shapes it can be you know that sort of figure eight kind of symbol that people draw or it can be you know a plus sign it can be originally the ampersand started off as et which is the letters e and t which is like the alien (laughs) i guess technically but lowercase it was latin it's like et is latin for and now i'm picturing that sorry yeah so the the original ampersand and some of mine are in the shape of that like the nan percent is that et kind of shape but yeah, it was originally that shape and then it just kind of morphed from there. Yeah. And so there's like quite a lot of variety in the, the shape that an ampersand can take, which yeah. kind of lends itself to a project like this where you well, can... Well, just scrolling, scrolling up, like you've got a silhouette of Jackie Chan and I can kind of see an ampersand, like it works. Oh, that one took a while. My sketchbook just has pages and pages of different like karate positions and I'm like, that (laughs) doesn't look like an ampersand, try again. (laughs) 
Oh, anyone whose sketchbook has pages and pages of karate ideas is, is all right with me. I think it's fun and I think it's really cool that people are getting some enjoyment out of it and sharing it around. Well, I mean, yeah, they're sharing it around, but one cool thing with this project as well is that you can also now get this on like t-shirts and different other things via Redbubble. Yeah, I've got a few friends who have profiles on Redbubble. I'd never actually heard of it before, and I just kind of texted... Oh, I always ordered T-shirts off that thing, but I've never known anyone who has had a thing. Yeah, well, I should have talked to you first, but one of my friends told me about it because I was like, dude, I've got all these designs and people are asking me, you know, they want them on shirts. How do I get them on shirts? Yeah. You know, there's like Threadless and all those kind of different T-shirt printing companies around but none of them like a lot of them will demand that they keep the rights for your artwork oh which is not something that you're you want i wasn't cool with that no but redbubble um you basically just submit the design they do the printing yeah you nominate your profit margin and like you own the artwork it's a really cool business model yeah that is very cool and have you seen the output of that like people wearing that stuff a couple of my friends have bought them. Like, okay. they're, like more people have bought them, but obviously they're, you know, you don't overseas. See that. Yeah, I don't yeah. see it. Yeah, of course. Um, and that's kind of cool that strangers somewhere out there are wearing your shirts. Yeah. Your designs I kind of like shirts. the idea of just walking along in some city that I'm not from and just spotting someone in my shirt. Hey. Like, hey, I made that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I kind of imagine, though, like meeting your idols, you wouldn't actually say, hi, I made that. I'd be like, hey, you'd be like, hey, hey, I know, okay, all right. <laughs> I just like wink yeah, I'd and then probably they'll, just quietly smile to myself. They'll wonder about why there's that woman <laughs> grinning and winking at them. One thing that I do enjoy that for some reason you have written here in terms of something you'd love to work on one day is old timey swears. Oh, so that's something I'm doing at the moment. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've done one and a half, I guess. What? What do you mean, by like one and a half old timey okay, swears? Let's explain yeah. what this is. Well, I've, I've done a, I've done a lot of swears, way more than one and a half. How do you do an old timey? I'm illustrating them. Okay. So, um, I I just wanted another project to work on. Um, just for fun and I don't know everyone loves cursing and there's something kind of fun about old timey swears okay oh, so just break it down old timey swears oh, for well, like okay like poppycock, poppycock. or heavens to betsy heavens or, to, oh I like that one uh, fiddlesticks or just you know like gibberish old timey swears consana consana yeah. yeah 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 sure I told you not to speak like an old 1950s prospect <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's just another little project that I've started working on is that, oh, that um, sounds awesome. taking a few of those and just lettering them nicely. And when you say old timey swears, I do kind of picture Yosemite Sam. I, I just kind of picture Deadwood. Yeah. Really. That's kind of what I've comes to mind. I've always been to watch that show. I never did. It's really good. Watch it. Have you watched Deadwood? No, I haven't. Are there Maybe some old timey swears? swears? Oh, there's different yeah? old timey swears in that. Oh, I have, I have my um, my list of. Oh, what are your list of to things? do ampersands? I've yes. got Chopin percent. Oh. Duran Duran percent. Oh, I want to see that one. Peanut butter and jam percent. Oh. Wu Tang Clan percent. Uh, no, haven't you made that? No, I tried. Again, I my I... sketchbook is just full of like warped Wu-Tang Clan logos that don't look like either the Wu-Tang Clan or Ampersand. You must have told me about that because that rings a bell, Wu-Tang Clan Ampersand. Right. The list does remind me of the all the different shows that Will Anderson does. Yeah. And how it's all tied to, you know, like Willosophy, Willuminati, and it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very similar, similar ilk. I kind of have started to need 
to have these other side projects of my own, just not so much for my sanity, but just for joy. Like, yeah. Just to do something that I want to do that I think is really fun that is not going to be, you know, compromised by some art director or some, you know, client saying, no, no, that's not what I want. Yeah, totally preaching to the choir, <laughs> given that, like, we're doing this completely self-indulgent thing about recording a but podcast. But it's not, it's not self-indulgent, and, and, though. You know, we, and we don't need to worry about anybody else other than yeah. the guests we have on because, yeah, there isn't anyone else involved. you got to be yeah. careful about the amount of old time he swears you let out. Well, you know, you got to be careful about those. Yeah. But, you know, I we think you should lightly. let out as many as you can because my next project depends on it. Puppy cock! <laughs> Outstanding. Oh, <laughs> I, I really think bugger and bastard aren't things that are used enough these days. Bugger. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I feel like I feel like occasionally I'll let out. I feel like bug, bug, I think bug is a good swear word proxy. Yeah, not in not in any intended meaning, just the yeah, word. Yeah, not in the actual meaning of the word. Yeah. But, uh... One of the projects on um, your website and via Twitter for quite a long time, you were practicing like different typefaces and different lettering, just drawing each night. You set yourself like a one different type of day. Um, I think I'm on the Daily right track. lettering. Daily challenge. lettering. That's yeah. What, I'm, why, what was that about? Again, it was just um, just for practice and for fun, really. Like, if I'm ever going to be half decent at typography, I need to be working on it all the time. And, you know, it takes discipline to sit down and make time to do that sort of thing. Yeah. And, I mean, I only did it for not even 30 days because I did it during February, which is... <laughs> Kind of gave myself Pretty a... close to 30 days. Yeah. That's like, if you're going to pick a month so that to fudge it, that's the month. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't deliberate. That was just when I decided to do it. Um, but yeah, I just, just for practice, decided I was going to letter a different quote or phrase or something stupid that one of my friends said and, you know, just get better at drawing. So... Mm. I think those are two of the major projects I wanted to talk to you about. And we've gone through like an amazing vast amount of experience that you've had. <laughs> Favorite words in general. I have a list of them on my phone. Please. I, shall I get that list out you as well? You can get that list out, but I'll talk to Pointy while you okay. do. I like the word splendid. Splendid? Why? I just think it sounds really lovely. Yeah. Like it really conjures up a, a nice feeling. Yeah. I like, I like Quebec yeah. and I like Bradley. Bradley in Quebec, I think, of two of my favourite words. I am the exact opposite, and I spend so much time thinking about words that I love the sound of. And, like, when I, I did extension English in high school, and, like, I would have a list of words or phrases that I just thought sounded so beautiful, and I would, like, write things specifically for those phrases. So um, on my phone I have a, a note that just says great words. Okay. And I've got like this huge, big, long of list <laughs> of great words. Indeed. My favorite words for a long time have been perpetual and effervescence. Effervescence. Yeah. Just say it. Like it, it feels so good when you say effervescence. it. Effervescence. Effervescence. Perpetual. 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 Yeah, I get that. Yeah, right? Effervescence like more than perpetual. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Perpetual no, no. vessels. That sounds darker. much darker. Yeah. <laughs> perpetual vessels. Um, succumb. Succumb. Well, that's a bit dark. Curmud yeah. Curmudgeon. Succumb's a bit dark. Curmudgeon. 
languid. Languid. Oh God, none of the, none of these, these words you regularly use on a day to day basis. I know, but I've got them in my phone just in case anything comes up. Of course, <laughs> just in case you. Just in case someone hands me a microphone and goes, "What are your favorite words?" I was more thinking you're my like, whole well, life has led to this, this moment." I, <laughs> I was more thinking like there's some like you're you're in some kind of conversation you're for like rainbow and you're no hold on, but like the. But no, you're like mid-sentence in a great conversation. You're like, hold on, there's a better word for this that I've been longing to use for a while. Yeah, totally. I've been totally. thinking of a better uh, word that's less languid than this. <laughs> svelte. svelte. Svelte? What does svelte mean? Oh, you know, like if someone's svelte, they're really like toned and tall and... I was, was kind of like thinking more like sexy felt, which I guess <laughs> is like a, like a really attractive Muppet, but... I, I wish that was in the dictionary, though. It's felt sexy, <laughs> sexy felt. A piece of felt you find yourself particularly attracted to. Fluent. Fluent. Existential. Existential. Visceral. Visceral. They're just... There's so many good words, and I think that's part of the appeal of typography for me, is that I'm such a lover of language and the way that, you know, sentences are constructed and, mm. you know, the, just the meaning that can be conveyed when you handpick, you know, what you're trying to say. I just think, and that's kind of what drew me to typography initially was that yeah. I had this love of language and I had this real interest in design and it was kind of where the two met. Yeah. And, you know, with typography, I could be still working with this language that I loved but in a really visual and possibly even more meaningful kind of way. Do you have a favourite letter and is it that kind of crazy S we used to draw? No. Maybe not? Not the S. Probably my favourite letter to draw is the uppercase Q. Okay. <laughs> Let's just put this way. You've seen my handwriting. I, have. I try not to worry about the written word. I and as far as... Really? Like, my handwriting's pretty terrible. I imagine... Like, I can kind drawing, of see that. Drawing type is totally different to just writing. Yeah. I, I honestly think that I kind of forgot how to write because <laughs> I was born in 1984. I got a computer when I was probably 92 or 93. So I haven't really written a lot by hand for most of my life. And I think that really shows <laughs> given that I can barely understand my own writing sometimes. You're like a doctor. Why am I even asking you this question? But why did doctors have bad handwriting? Well, they're very busy people, okay? <laughs> I think they're busy and they have more important problems than handwriting. I imagine it's the they busyness. They lives on their shoulders. Maybe it's also just like their brains are so cluttered with more important information. That's what I mean. They've yeah. got like people's lives They on have their better mind. things to they're worry like, about. Than this. <laughs> this person doesn't die. Quick, in here. the time I take to write it, they may be very ill, so I'll get it out now. That's right. <laughs> Most I can more. see that. I can see that. All right, so before you go, because we are usually the type of people to litter this thing, as I said, with uh, awkward game, bossa nova, shitty versions of songs you love, um, this is sort of splitting between our, um, our realm and Sophie's, like, shitty music is definitely my realm. So wait until the song ends and then give me your best guess. Song guessing game. Does it just go on a loop? It just goes on I a loop. I have no idea. Can I phone a friend? Okay. Okay. Yes, you can phone a friend. Nick! 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 
It's at this point, we mentioned that halfway through this podcast, Sophie Eleanor's partner Nick arrived, and he is the more musical one of the of the duo. Okay, so we are playing we are playing guess this song related to letters and words and numbers. Uh, well, not numbers, but generally things related to. Me a letter, yeah, indeed. Is it what would you call it? Wrote me a letter, so that's what the thing is. But is, it, it, is it the animals? No, very close. Ish. <laughs> it's the letter by the box tops. Oh, the box tops. and box tops. I think that was really their only one big hit, though, right? Yeah, yeah it was their big one. Because then Alex Shelton went on to form Alex Shelton went on to form Big Star, which that's was right. uh, yes. much more popular. Okay, I, I hope these next ones are just a little I'm easier. That was, that was no, no, we may that, not that need to find a friend. That was my for coming up with that one. I was like, yeah, everyone knows the letter. Let's do that. Okay. And music trivia is not great. I don't know what order we're going in, but um, let's give this a go. More than words. What was it? More than words. Bye. Ever something? Extreme! Extreme! I knew it was an E-word. Alright. I had not heard that song until today. Like, that was, I swear to God. I've never heard that song before. I've never wow. heard it. Sorry to the listeners, but every douchebag in high school with a guitar played more than words by Extreme to their girlfriend. I think I had it on a mixtape from my high school boyfriend. Yes. Thank you! <laughs> What's this? <laughs> more than words by Extreme! Oh, well, yeah, you're just questioning the fact that she's ever been with anyone before. I can't believe you with someone that loved extreme. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's our first two out of five. Okay, so that one was words popular. Okay, you get the you get the reference words um, popularized by the Bee Gees, but I think it was by someone else beforehand. Oh, it's only words. <laughs> I, I, I YouTube that last night. And you didn't need to make these at all. You should have just done. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. Way better. Amazing, very good. Thank you, thank you. One of the BJs was wearing like like this trench coaty type dress while playing the keyboards. He was very intense. <laughs> All right, okay. So this is a slight bit easier, and you're not allowed to phone a friend for this one because he's he's a little too biased. Okay, <laughs> and I, mu- I must mention that uh, your partner in crime does have a Beatles tattoo, which is why he was banned from that uh, <laughs> that question. Okay, no, no, that's okay. There's like one we didn't get, but that's all right. All right, okay, okay, okay hold on. Mm-hmm. 
Jackson 5. All right. All right. <laughs> that was the easy one. What was the song? Uh, is it easy as ABC123? I can't remember what the actual title is. The title is very simple. That's, that's close enough. ABC. It, it's ABC. ABC. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, the, it's actually Do Re Mi. Do Re Mi. The actual, the, the reference there to words being yeah, A, B, C yeah. letters. And the letter by the box tops, words by the BGs, paperback writer, which obviously used words to write and letters to write. Was there another? Was there another? There was something in the middle there. Anyway, that was five. I think you did quite well. That was like four out of five there with a the phone a friend. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks to Sophie for coming on the show. Tell us where we can find your work and where we can find Strato and AmberClan and all of these different things. My online portfolio is sophieeleanor.com. That's S O P H I E. E-L-I-N-O-R.com. Uh, and the same spelling, you can find my Behance page, Sophie Eleanor. Uh, I have a profile on The Loop, again, Sophie Eleanor, and it's the same on Twitter as well. And her font is called Strato, and the Amber Clan is something well worth checking out. So do Google Sophie Brown or Sophie Eleanor in combination with those two, Strato and Amber Clan. I'm selling Strato through a New Zealand type foundry called $10 Fonts. That's where you can find it if you want to buy it. And if you want an um, example of it, I'm sure we will be able to uh, create some very fun splitting cases type things <laughs> with Strato the Fonts. I think we can do that, yes. Uh, if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love for you to do that. Yeah. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can do so at facebook.com forward slash splitting cases. And you may find uh, lots of different things on Facebook in addition to this podcast as well. We do do a cutting room floor segment of different things that don't quite make the podcast or fit in. Please.